Hey guys, it's Pastor PJ, and we are back in Ecclesiastes. We're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, at least the first part of it, uh, together tonight. And so uh, grab your Bibles and make your way over to Ecclesiastes. And as you do that, just to remind you uh, kind of where we've been in this study so far. I mean, we've seen from the very outset Solomon saying, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And then beginning to unpack that through the book and seeing that there's so many different arenas and spheres in our lives that just amount to, to, to meaninglessness at the end. That if we live our lives for the pursuit of relationships, if we live our lives for the pursuit of money, if we live our lives for the pursuit of, of status, of fame, of power, uh, that in the end, we're just going to be left wanting. We're going to be left disappointed. We're going to be left frustrated. We're going to be left uh, with the, the conclusion of, of Solomon, that it's vain. We looked at chapter two and we looked at everything that the world says, there's purpose, there's hope, there's meaning, there's value, there's worth found in these things. And Solomon looks at them all and says, it's, it's empty. I've been there. I've done that. I've experienced it. And it's, it's worthless. It's vain. And then in chapter three, the, the different times that come in life and there's these cycles that come through and these cycles are true no matter what generation, no matter what time in history that you find yourself in, there's these cycles. And then in chapter four, the, the oppression of the world, that the world is can be an evil place and a, a despairing place because there's just wickedness and men are wicked and the, the, the schemes of men are evil. And he, we talked about isolating yourself versus living in community and living for God and for others and the, the value and worth in that. And all of that now brings us to chapter five. And it's interesting because in chapter five, Solomon pivots. He's been talking about all of these vain pursuits. He's been talking about these things that, you know, yes, is there good from the Lord? He said so in chapter two, that, that God has given us some good things to enjoy. But He's been really exposing the fraud that is living for all of these other things. He's been exposing the fraud of living for uh, the, the meaning and purpose and fulfillment of, in all of these other things. But now in chapter five, he turns the page and he's going to focus us on something uh, in this world that's current, that's, uh, that's here, that's right now, that's not in the future, that has eternal bearing for us. And because of that, it's important that we uh, give it the attention that is due and that we make sure that we're doing it right. And that is how we worship the Lord. And so Ecclesiastes chapter five, I'm going to read our text for us. Uh, you can follow along with me, grab your Bibles, open them up and listen with us. It says this, it says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God to draw near to listen is better than sacrifice of fools for they do not know what they are doing, that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. So what I want you to, to see in this text and what I want us to see is that there's a, a way that we should worship the Lord. That's There's a way that we should be engaging 
uh, with the Lord in in a, a sense that is is worthy. And there's a way that we can worship God on the flip side that is is a way that's going to produce and yield nothing but vanity. And so we need to be careful uh, about how we approach God. And that's how he begins. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Last year, in fact, a year ago, right now, my wife and I, Amanda and I, we were in Israel and it was an amazing experience. And there were so many places that we went that it was like, wow, we are standing where the disciples were. We are standing on the, the, the shores of Galilee. We are out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. We were in the, the, these villages and, and towns where these synagogues were that Jesus taught in. And then beyond that, there was this one place in particular that, that I just remember just a feeling of being in awe. And it was a feeling of reverence. And it was a feeling of, of wonder. And it was when we were at the house of Caiaphas. You remember that Caiaphas was the high priest at the time that Jesus was arrested and betrayed and sentenced to death. And there was a, a, a dungeon in his house where Jesus was kept, where he was kept overnight, actually. And he was kept there in this hole, in this pit. And we actually went into this house and we went into this dungeon. When We went into this pit and we stood in the room where Jesus spent the night waiting uh, the next morning to be crucified, the next day to be crucified. And it was such a, a feeling of the weightiness and the somberness and the sobriety of it and just being in awe. And I remember walking in there and feeling like, this is amazing. I, 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 I'm, I'm in, uh, amazed to even be in the presence of this place. And really, it's, it's just a place. When we come into the presence of God to worship, y'all, we need to have that same sense of awe that we are entering into the presence of God to worship God. We are with the Lord when we worship him, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so when we go to worship, when you guys worship God, you need to make sure that you are intentional about that. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Now for Solomon, the house of God was the temple, the temple that he constructed. And so to go to the house of God with your sacrifices and with your offerings, Solomon wanted to, to challenge his readers and his audience to say, make sure that you're intentional about that. Don't be careless. Be careful about how you enter into worship God. And you and I have to be careful about the way that we enter into worship God as well. In fact, in Exodus chapter three, verses four through six, uh, you have Moses in the burning bush. And I'm sure you remember that story that Moses walks up on this bush that's burning, but not being consumed. And he hears a voice call out from the bush. And the voice says, Moses, take off the, the shoes from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. It's amazing to think about that, that, that Moses was standing in the presence of the Lord before the burning bush and he takes off his feet and he falls on his face. Why? Because this intentionality, this carefulness that he had about being in the presence of God. Later in Exodus chapter 19, when Moses is getting ready to go up on, on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, God draws near in Exodus chapter 19 and it says that Mount Sinai was filled with smoke and that fire was descending on the mountain and the mountain was trembling, quaking under the presence of God and that Moses spoke and that God answered him in thunder. And we listen to that or we hear that and we think to ourselves, that's amazing to be in that presence of the Lord. And yet, guys, when, when we enter into worship God, 
When we come to worship God, whether that's here at the church or whether that's where you are at home, you are worshiping him through your time in reading the Bible, through your time in praying, through your time in singing to him. Y'all, this is the same God that we come before, that Moses was coming before. And so Solomon was saying, look, if you're going to do something that has any eternal value and permanence and worshiping God does, he says, we need to do so carefully. We need to be thoughtful about it. Our first point together during this time together tonight is this, write this down this way. Be thoughtful about your worship of God. Be thoughtful about your worship of God. Make sure that you're intentional with it. Imagine being called in before your boss for a a performance review. Imagine walking into that room. You're not going to walk into that room brash and overconfident and cocky and sit down and kick your feet up and be like, well, I'm here. Here I am. Didn't I do a great job? What do you have to tell me? I don't, I already know what you're about to tell me. You're about to tell me that I'm great and everything's good. You're going to stand up. You're going to push your chair and you're going to walk out the room, right? No, you're not going to do that at all. Why? Because you're going to walk in with a sense of, of respect, with a sense of reverence, with a sense of fear even about it, right? Well, if you have that response to your earthly boss, when you go in for a performance review with him, how much more should you be concerned about entering into worship the God of all creation? How much more thought should we give to that? There were two men in the Old Testament whose names were Nadab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu, in fact, they were Aaron's sons. Aaron was Moses's brother. He, this was the, the, the nephews of Moses, right? And, and Nadab and, and Abihu were given instructions on how they should worship God. But the problem was these two men grew familiar and complacent and casual and flippant about their worship of the Lord. And so what they did is they actually came near to the Lord, it says, with their their incense, and they were offering strange fire. In other words, they became so casual, they didn't really care about what the Lord wanted from them as far as the way they should worship him. They just thought, you know what? We're here. Let's just, let's bring whatever kind of fire we want before the Lord. And we don't know exactly what strange fire means, but we know that it was something that God didn't want, that they were taking him for granted, that they were worshiping him in a way that was overly casual, that they were worshiping him without thoughtfulness and intentionality. They didn't guard their steps. And it says there in Leviticus chapter 10, that fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. That's amazing to think about that. And we don't think that God cares about how we approach him in worship. We don't think that we need to guard our steps, that we need to be careful. Solomon says that the the sacrifices of fools follow from those that are not careful about the way they approach the Lord, not intentional about the way they approach the Lord. Those that go before the Lord and, and all they're concerned about is going through the motions, checking the box, making sure that it's done. Solomon says that's foolish, that we need to be mindful, intentional, aware that we are worshiping the God of all creation. The writer of Hebrews says we may draw near with boldness to the throne of God. Yes, that is true. But that doesn't mean that we need to take that for granted and be flippant and casual about it when we come to worship God. So what does this look like? Well, I want to encourage you to to think about a few things. Number one, pray. You need to be praying before coming to church. If you're coming to church, you need to be praying during the worship service. You need to be praying for the, the preaching. You need to be praying afterwards to, to, to process and to apply the truths that God has laid on your heart through the preaching of his word. Prayer is such a, an overwhelmingly important part of worship. So make sure you are praying. Second, 
make sure that you, you are, are reminding yourself daily of the character of God, of who he is. Think about him. Think about his character, that he is all-knowing, that he is all-powerful, that he is the sustainer of life, that he is the creator, that he is the, uh, the holy one. As you dwell on the character of God, it's going to cause you to worship him appropriately. You will be mindful of his character, of who he is. It's going to enable you. It's going to cause you to draw near in a way that is appropriate. It's going to cause you to guard your steps as you approach the Lord. Third, remind yourself that he is the one that's worthy of the worship that you have. The, wor- the, the worship that you have to offer him, that you have to bring to him, that God is the one, in fact, the only one who's worthy of that worship. Remind yourself of that and so that you will be more intentional about the way in which you approach him And then finally, give it time. Give worship time. Right now, you're at home. You're there and you're not really going anywhere for the foreseeable future. Um, And so you've got the time. But even when you don't, even when things kind of get back to quote unquote normal, make sure that you are spending time to, uh, to, to set aside and to be intentional and be careful about how you worship the Lord. He doesn't want your leftovers. He doesn't want your last couple of minutes before you've got to rush out the door. Don't cram your DBR into the, 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 the last five minutes that you have before you go to bed. Don't cram your DBR into the last five minutes that you have before you've got to get out the door and get to work or get to school. Take time to be in the presence of the Lord. That's how we can guard our steps. Be intentional about coming before the Lord. Again, in this world where there's so much vanity, there's really nothing more permanent than the way in which you worship God, than your engagement with your relationship with the Lord. Solomon continues, though. He says this. He says after this, he says, To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they are doing that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. One of the most unique things about the God of the Bible is that he is a God who has spoken. He is a God who has communicated to us. He's a God who has revealed himself to us. Not only Romans 1 in all of creation, but he's given us his written word. He's given us 66 books of the Bible that tell us who he is and who we are and and what that means for our relationship with him and what he did about that. The God of the, the Bible, the God that you and I serve is a God who has spoken and we need to listen to him. God has spoken through creation. Romans 1 and Psalm 19 testify to those things. In fact, the skies declare, the, the, the heavens declare, the glory of God according to Psalm 19. That he is there, that he is the creator, that he is powerful, that he is a God of beauty, a God of majesty, a God of, of creation. Romans 1 says that it, it declares his eternal attributes are present in creation, that we can look around and see that. He's spoken to us through creation, but he's also spoken to us through his people, through one another. Genesis 1, 26 through 27, God said us said this, let us make man in our own image, in the own image of God, in, in his image, male and female, he created them. And so you think about that, that we are the image bearers of God. There's a an element in which God communicates to the world around us through his creation as we bear his image on his behalf. 
He's communicated through us. The other way that he's communicated through us is 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we have become his ambassadors, that we declare his message, his message of, of reconciliation. So God is a God who has spoken through creation, through us, but he's also spoken through his word. Hebrews 1 verse 1 says that God has spoken long ago and at many times through his prophets, right? Through the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God, that the words of the Bible are God's words written down for you and I to read them, to see them, to process them, to understand them. So God has spoken by his word, but God has also finally spoken by his son. In fact, that's what the writer of Hebrews goes on to say in verse two. He says, but now in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. And so God is a God that has spoken. Jesus is the word, John 1, 1, the logos, the message of God. In fact, later on, John says, if we have seen Jesus, then we have seen the father because Jesus exegetes, he exposits, he explains, he's the revealer of God. God is a God who has spoken. And the question I have for you and the question Solomon has for us is, are you listening? Are you listening to him? Solomon's saying that the improper worship is to come before the Lord with the rashness of our words and the hastiness of heart. To worship him by coming before him and immediately making it about us and not about him. Our requests, our needs, our demands, our desires, our agenda, without first coming to hear before we are heard. Think about how important it is to listen in relationships. Think about your relationship with your parents or your boss, your coworkers, your boyfriend or girlfriend. Think about your, your relationship with your, just your friends in general. And imagine if you weren't listening to them. How would those relationships go? Not well, right? You'd be in a situation where you'd be pretty lonely because no one would want to spend any time with you. Because all you would be doing is, is going in and, and dumping all of your stuff on them and you wouldn't be listening to them. That's not how a relationship works. But more importantly than that, to listen to somebody is to demonstrate humility. And to listen to somebody who's in a position of authority over us is to demonstrate submission to them, respect for them, and a fear of them. And that's what God wants from us. Guard your steps when you come before the house of the Lord. How do I do that? It begins with listening to the Lord, making sure that you are submitting yourself to him, that you are humble before him. This is what the Lord wants from us in worship that's not vain, in worship that is significant, in worship that is, is eternal, as he wants us to listen to him. Point number two in this message is this, come to hear before being heard. Come to hear from the Lord before being heard. Again, this is the humility that God wants from us. Not that overconfidence. We, we're not to show up to worship the Lord or to, to pray to the Lord and, and just expect him to be pleased because we made the effort. God is not going to roll out the red carpet for you. God is not impressed by your presence. Rather, it's quite the opposite. We need to be impressed by the presence of God. And that begins by submitting ourselves to him, to his truth, to his word, to what he has revealed to us. Does he want our sacrifices, our offerings, our service, our praise, what we have to say? Does he want to hear from us? Absolutely he does. Absolutely he does. But he wants all of those things to flow from a devotion to him. And that devotion to him begins when we listen, 
when we come before him, when we submit ourselves to his word, to his agenda, to his message for us and not the opposite. Again, to draw near is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they are doing evil. The fool comes in thinking that he's worshiping the Lord while all the while Solomon says he is doing evil. That his worship is, is, is wicked and empty. Why? Because it's all about him. It's about him trying to impress God, him trying to be the center of attention. And worship is, is exactly the opposite. It's about God being the impressive one, about God being the center of attention. And so as you think about your worship, as you think about singing, ask yourself, why are you singing? As you think about praising, why are you praising? As you think about prayer, why are you praying? You think about all these things, why? Well, all of those things are a response to something, at least they're intended to be a response to something. All of those things are a response to God's revelation of himself to us. We're moved to worship when we have an encounter with God in which we hear from him before we are heard by him. That's how worship works. So what does this look like? Well, what is it not first? What I'm not talking about is an audible voice from God. I don't want you to sit in your room with your legs crossed Indian style and just waiting for God to to speak audibly to you. As so many people have said, if you want to hear from God, if you want to hear the audible voice of God, open up your Bible and read it out loud. Read the words of God. That's the voice of God right there. So this is not an audible voice of God. Also, this is not expecting new revelation from God. This is not like you're sitting there saying, okay, God, I need something more. No, God has given you all you need. He's given you everything necessary for life and godliness in the pages of his word, in the scriptures. And so this is not looking for new revelation from God, but this is looking to what he has already given us. What this also isn't is just sitting down with your Bible and randomly opening it up and saying, okay, I need to hear from God. So let's go to uh, Psalm chapter 95, verse five. What does that say? No, this is being intentional. Remember being thoughtful, guarding your steps as you come before, being mindful about approaching it not just checking a box, not just being, uh, being in, a, in a hurry to get through it, but to sit in the presence of God and to hear from him is to be intentional about that. So what does that look like? Well, first it's internalizing God's word, internalizing it so that it takes root in your heart. That involves memorization of his word, memorizing scripture. We should be doing that. That should be a discipline in our lives. That's a, a way that we can make sure that we are actually hearing from him in a way that he wants us to hear from him because he wants it to take root in us. So memorization of the word. Second, thoughtfulness about what you read. To chew the cud, like the cows that bring, I know it's gross, but they, they eat the grass, they chew it up, they swallow it, and then later on they, they bring it back up to chew on it a little bit more. Well, y'all, throughout the day, that's gross. I know, I get it, that's gross. But still, throughout the day, you guys need to be meditating on God's word. That means bringing it back up to mind. What you read this morning, you need to think about it throughout the day, not just read it, check the box and move on and say, I'm done. No, to truly hear from God is to dwell on it. It's to take that thought about him that you took away from your scripture time and to turn it over in your mind throughout the day, to look at it from different angles, different facets. The third thing it is, is it's to respond to the Lord, to respond to him in prayer. When God speaks to us, just like when you pour your heart out to somebody, when you speak or when you talk to, to somebody in your life who you care about, you're kind of looking for them to respond. Yes, not just to walk away. 
when, when we truly are hearing from the Lord, the Lord wants to hear back from us. He wants us to respond to him from what we've heard. So as you read God's word, think about what you're reading. And as you're listening to the Lord through the, the time in the word of God, think about how you need to respond to him and pray to him after you finish reading. Pray back to him and, and, and talk to him about what you have just heard. Our worship begins with listening. We need to be intentional about it, thoughtful about it, careful about how we approach the Lord. And then as we do that, it begins with making sure we hear from him before we expect him to hear from us. Ecclesiastes goes on though. He says, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. So now Solomon's getting to the place where we, we do come before the Lord with our requests. We respond to him. And we, Philippians 4, are making our requests made known to the Lord, whether it's something that we're anxious about or Psalm 55, 22, a burden that we have in our lives that we're casting on the Lord, or whether it's just like Jesus talked about, going before the Lord as a child before his father and, and just asking for our daily bread. We need to be thoughtful about that. Solomon gives us instructions there, and it begins with remembering our, our place before the Lord, that he is the God of heaven and we are on earth, that he is the creator and we are the creation. And we need to make sure that that governs the way that we make our requests and that governs our words, that we're not rash or hasty, that we're not vowing these vows just impetuously. And notice that this isn't just verbal, but this is a posture of the heart and the mind as well. He says, be not hasty in your heart when you come before the Lord. Well, what about these vows? These vows, we don't necessarily vow in the same way, but we do have our own version of our vows, don't we? When we say things like, Lord, help me pass this exam and I promise I will fill in the blank. Lord, allow me to keep my job and I will never ever do fill in the blank again. Lord, keep me healthy and I promise you I will always fill in the blank. See, these are what we're talking about with vows. And Solomon says it's actually better not to vow than to vow and not pay it, to vow and not mean it. And so as y'all approach the Lord, as y'all worship the Lord, you need to be careful about your words. He cares about your words. In fact, the Bible says later on, it says that every thoughtless word, every careless word is going to be brought to account before the Lord. That there may become, uh, there may be a day where we stand before the Lord and those vows that we've prayed, those prayers that we prayed, and we haven't really meant what we're vowing. We, we're just saying things, trying to, to barter or negotiate with God as though he wants that. He doesn't want that. But sometimes we do that and we do that so flippantly and we, we walk away and we forget the vow or we have no intention of fulfilling it to begin with. Y'all, we're going to be held accountable to those things. And so we need to be careful. Solomon says, don't vow and, and then not pay it. He says, in fact, guard yourself. Let your words be few. Let your words be few as you come before the Lord to worship him. Why? Again, because of who he is and who you are, who we are. For God is in heaven and we are on earth. Remember Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is there before the presence of the Lord and he sees the Lord sitting on the throne. He says, he says that. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. And there's these angelic creatures that are calling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of, of hosts. 
And Isaiah's response to that when he sees God is he says, woe am I, for I am a man of unclean lips. He doesn't say, oh, hey, God, I've been meaning to, to, to talk to you about some things. I need this done and I need this done and I need this done. And, and the people down there, they're, they're pretty rebellious. And if you could do something about that, it'd be great. If you could grow my, my you know, reach, my, if you would make people listen to me and, and help them to see that I'm smarter than them and everything else, that would be awesome, God. No, Isaiah is crushed by the presence of God. You know, we need a little bit of that. We need more than a little bit of that. We need a lot more of that than what we have. And so we need to be careful as we approach, careful with our words. Therefore, let your words be few, for with a dream comes much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Y'all be careful not to rush into worship, to rush into prayer thoughtlessly. We've talked about that. But one of the the greatest guards against that is having that Isaiah 6 picture of God and of us. Our final point in this message is this. Make sure that you approach with a right view of self. Approach with a right view of self. Approach God with a right view of self. That he is the creator, that you are the creation. And as you come before him, you come before him to bring your request to him. And you are coming before him to hear from him first and then to be heard only in the, the, the sense that you are respectfully and, and reverentially bringing these requests, asking him to answer these prayers, that you are spending time praising him, that you are spending time glorifying him with your words, thinking about his goodness, confessing your sins before him, and not going in brashly or overconfident or just to check a box or just hasty to, to get it done and to get it over with, to, to pat yourself on the back. But that you are really truly desiring to have an encounter with the Lord, to worship him in a way that pleases him. It's terrifying when he says this in verse 6, let not your mouth lead you into sin. Y'all, that there's a way that we could worship God that would be sinful. That would be in a way that, that he doesn't desire from us. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. He's talking about not fulfilling the vows that we vow before the Lord. Well, I didn't really mean that. God's saying, don't say that. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands, the, the, the worship that you're offering? Why, why should God just, just nullify it? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is, here's our word, vanity. Y'all, your worship can turn into vanity. Your worship can become an exercise that's as futile as everything else that Solomon has been talking about. That should send a a shiver down our spine. Not that prevents us from worshiping God, but that challenges us to make sure that we are worshiping him in a way that pleases him. Worshiping him with intentionality and careful thought. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about anxiety, something that we can all relate to right now, right? And you think about that, and, and if there's ever a time that we may be quick to rush into the presence of God and to pray. And we can do that. I'm not saying that we can't at a moment's notice pray and bring our requests before the Lord. We can do those things. I'm saying we need to, to not make that all our worship ever is. We need to have times of intentionality. But but anxiety often leads us to those times where we want to be quick and we have a list and we have all these things going on. And right now, I know some of you are wrestling with anxiety right now, with everything going on in our world, with coronavirus and everything else. And so here's 
a, a passage that's dealing with that. And Jesus says, look, you know, your father knows the things that you need. He knows the things that you need. He's aware of them and he's going to take care of you. And so Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Instead, he says this, he says in verse 33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What are these things? They're the needs that you have. The things that you want to rush in and, and make your, your worship of the Lord all about, here's all of my needs, God, can you do all these things? Yes, he wants to hear those things, but, but first he wants you to seek the kingdom of God. And those things that he knows about, he's going to add those things. He's going to take care of those things for you as well. And so uh, we need to, to be careful. We need to be intentional. We need to be thoughtful. We need to be quick to hear rather than to be heard. And as you think about your life right now, if it's anything like mine, you've, you're in turmoil. Not turmoil internally, just your routine is gone, right? It's, it's different. And, and things are, are strange. This new normal, this new reality that we find ourselves in. Well, let's look at maybe the, the bright side. And that is maybe you've got some more time right now than you've ever had before. I know one of the pushbacks we get to the, hey, are you doing your daily Bible reading? Are you uh, spending time worshiping the Lord? Are you spending time in prayer? Is we get from a lot of people, you know what? I'm just, I'm so busy right now. It's hard to carve that time out. Well, y'all look at this time as a time that the Lord has given you time. He's given you time. And Solomon is encouraging us in chapter five, this question that we've talked about. How should we then live, right? You begin at the end. The, the, the answer when all is said and done is fear God and keep his commandments, right? That's where Solomon gets to. Well, right now you've got time to put that into practice in a unique way in how you worship him. This is more significant than your career. This is more significant than your wealth. This is more significant than your money. This is more significant than relationships or anything else this world could offer you. Worshiping God is something that has eternal implications for it. And Solomon is telling us telling you this is how the Lord longs to be worshiped. And this is a way that you can worship God that in the end is not going to be vanity.